you have your Bibles, I want to look in the book of uh, John chapter 16. It's going to take a little bit of time to uh, kind of work through the text that I, that I want to kind of talk uh, around today, uh, but I think it'll be advantageous to us. It's, it's this portion in Christ's life, for those of you that may be new, I'll kind of maybe set the foreground. Jesus has come, he's, he's grown up, you know, for 30 something years and lived somewhat of a normal life. He steps into his ministry. He gets his disciples. Many of you know the story. They start doing miracles, touching people's lives, giving healing to the hurting, hope to the hopeless. And uh, the time comes when Jesus is about to be crucified. He knows this is a part of the plan. He's always kind of known this is part of the plan, but the disciples, they didn't see this one coming. They don't know that Jesus is literally going to be murdered for all of this great stuff that he's doing for the world. And so He's trying to like prepare them for this, but they're not getting it. So the portion of scripture where we're picking up, Jesus is kind of giving his last little bits of advice to his disciples who are gonna have to deal with the fact that he's going to be gone. And he's telling them that, listen guys, we're people of love and you need to love people, but here, I don't want you to get it twisted. Just because you love people doesn't mean people are gonna love you back. Has anybody ever experienced that? You try to love people and people don't always love you back. Somebody over there has experienced that quite a bit. Okay. (laughs) So John chapter 16, this is uh, where we're picking up the story. So he's just told, you know, love people. They're not going to love you back. And he says this, I have told you this so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. So so I, I, I warn you that things are not always going to go the way that you think that they should go. And the reason that I'm warning you is because I don't want you to, in the process of living your life, become confused and surrender your life to that confusion and that doubt. He then goes on, he says, for you will actually be excommuted from the synagogues. So so not just like evil people are gonna hate you, like the church people are gonna hate you. Like other Christians are gonna misunderstand you and talk bad about you and spread lies about you and and paint you in a, in a, in a bad light. Not, not, just the, not just like bad worldly haters, like church haters. Anybody ever dealt with a church hater, like a, a Christian hater that should know better? You'll be excommuted from the synagogues. And then he says, a time is coming when you'll be put to death by misguided ones. And here's the interesting thing about the misguided ones. He says, who presume to be doing God a great service. So, so the, the, the haters that hate you, they're, they're actually people that are going to actually think that they're doing it on God's behalf. It's kind of, kind, of, kind of an interesting thing. And he says this, and they will do these things because they don't know anything about the Father or me. And what he's saying is they think they're doing it on behalf of God, but they really don't get how God works. Verse 4 says this, I'm telling you this now so that when the time comes, you remember that I warned you. He said, I didn't tell you this in the beginning because I was still with you, but now I'm about to leave you. Okay, so imagine being a disciple and you're hearing this, you've, you've, Christ has changed your life, you're living on cloud nine, you're seeing blind eyes being opened, like every hardship that you ever face is powerless to the power of Jesus. And he says, I'm I'm going, I'm going to, to, to leave you. He continues and, and says this, he says, I'm going I'm to leave you, and I'm going to go to the one who sent me, and you need to be told. Yet not one of you, speaking to his disciples, are asking me where I'm going, because your hearts are filled with sadness because I've told you these things. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the divine encourager, talking about the Holy Spirit, I'll explain that in a little bit, will not be released to you. 
But after I depart, I will send him to you. He begins to detail out what the Holy Spirit will do. For those of you who may not be well-versed in Scripture or understand how, how things work within the context of Christianity, the Holy Spirit is like God within us. So we believe in God the Father, God the Son, but when Christ went to heaven after he was crucified, he sent the Holy Spirit so each and every one of us in this room can actually do life with God. That's what he's, in essence, what he's talking about. So he begins to detail out what the Holy Spirit will do, okay? Verse 12, we'll skip down to verse 12. It says this. So Jesus is trying to, to get these guys to get the big picture because he knows they're going to miss it. He says, there's so much more that I'd like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. I want to tell you more. I want to tell you why you're going through what you're going through. I want to tell you why you're going to face the things that you're going to face. But if I told you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. It's, it's too much for you, he says. He says, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, the Holy Spirit, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but he will only speak what he hears from the Father. And he will come to reveal prophetically to you what is to come. He's going to show you how to get through this life. He will glorify me on earth. Well, he, he will receive from me what is mine and he'll reveal it to you. He says this, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That is why I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the divine encourager. Now, he will receive what is mine, and he's going to reveal it to you. Then he goes again. He says it again. Soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while, you'll see me in a new way. Now, some of the disciples, verse 17 says this, asked each other, what does this mean? What is he talking about? Soon you won't see me. They're still not getting it. And what does he mean? A little while after, you will see me in a new way. What does this mean? Because I'm going to the Father. They kept on repeating, the text says. What is the meaning of a little while? What is the meaning of a little while? We have no clue what he's talking about, it says. Verse 19, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and it was obvious that they were anxious to ask him what he had meant. So he spoke up and he said this. He said, let me make it quite clear. He tries to get it through their thick heads again. He says, let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. He says, the unbelieving world will be happy while you will be filled with sorrow. But know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. Just like, he gives an example. Just like a woman who experiences intense labor pains in delivering her baby, yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets what she went through because of the overwhelming joy of knowing that a new baby has been born into this world. He said, so you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I'm taken from you, but you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy, with no one being able to take that from you. Then he continues to foreshadow this crucifixion that's about to happen. And in verse 33, this is kind of where we'll wrap up our reading of the text. It says this, verse 33, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, that it would be in you. And that this peace will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Then he makes an interesting statement. He says this, for in this unbelieving world, you will, not maybe, not you could, not maybe you won't, I hope you don't. No, he says, you will, in this world, you, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. In, in this world, you will have sorrow, you will have trouble, but take heart, you must be courageous because I've overcome the world. I've got to spend this last week with my family. It's been a lot of fun uh, being able to catch up on all kinds of stuff. And I was running around with uh, my mom and my sister. We were doing, uh, I think we were like returning Christmas, anybody return any Christmas gifts you didn't like? No one wants to admit it, huh? So we were returning some stuff. We we're going to a few different stores, and 
all of uh, my nieces and nephews, I have an SUV and they like to ride in the car with me. So it was like me and like probably six other kids in my car and we were driving around and my mom and sister were driving together. Well, we pull up into this one um, store and when we pull in, there's um, some shopping carts that are left in the stall where I was trying to pull in. So I tell my oldest son, Elam, I say, hey, e, I need you to get out and move these carts so that I can park here. So he gets out and he, he moves the carts. Well, he doesn't take the carts like all the way back to the front. He just kind of, you know, you know how you do, right? You know how you do. You just kind of hike it up on the little, you know. So he, <laughs> he pulled one of those and hiked it up on the little, just got it out of the way so that we could park. Honestly, I, I didn't really think much of it. And I pulled into, into the stall. Well, there was this lady that, that was observing this whole situation. And she let me know with the look on her face that she was disgusted that we did it like this. And she's just kind of like looking at, you know, looking at me like, hmm, that's how you do things, huh? You know, and I'm like, don't have time for this today. And um, so she decides she's going to be a good Samaritan to teach me a lesson. So she goes, as we're still in the car, and I'm, I'm like, what is she doing? She walks up to where my son had hiked up, you know, the little, the cart onto the curb, and she pulls it off the, off the curb, and she turns around, I'm like, okay, here we go. I, get, I, know, I know these kinds of people, right? These, these good Samaritans in the world. And so she starts pushing the cart. Well, I was just going to let it pass until she hit my car door, okay? So she hits my car door with the cart, and I could no longer hold my tongue. I couldn't. So I said, Karen, and her name wasn't Karen. <laughs> but that's what I called her, and you think I'm lying, but I'm not. I'm just, I said, Karen, and she, <laughs> I opened my door. I said, I said what, are you, what are you doing? I said, you, you hit my door. And she's like, <laughs> just one of those people, just turns into humming, and she's humming. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing? You hit my, you hit my car door. And, and she, she says, well, you almost hit mine. I said, ma'am, there's a difference between almost hitting and actually hitting. And then it was like game on. She did the whole passive aggressive act. I don't know if you ever dealt with one of these passive aggressive people. It's not my nature. I'm just aggressive, you know? So like, she, <laughs> she, so she gets out her cell phone and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I hit your car? Maybe I need to get out my phone and take some pics. So then I get my camera rolling. I say, ladies and gentlemen, we have a camera. And we're going back and forth, like in real time. I was like, do you enjoy being a Karen, ma'am? And I have the, I'm, I have the video to, to prove it, but I... I won't because it's a little bit embarrassing. And I was like, do you enjoy being, oh, I'm not being a kid. So we went back and forth and finally the whole situation ended. I spoke my mind, she spoke her mind and we went our separate ways. And about that time, my little five-year-old niece, she, go, she called, they call me Ninny. And she said, Ninny, you're not supposed to do it like that. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Well then, but then her older sister spoke up and she, she said, no, Harlow, that is how you do it. And <laughs> So I don't know if I was right or wrong, but it's what I did. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. These are the things that happen in life. And what's interesting about this is, depending on how you hear the story, depending on what you think about what should be done with grocery carts after they're used, will determine which side of the fence you kind of fall as to who is at fault. You tracking with me? It's interesting because in this text, Jesus is laying out for his disciples that, hey guys, you're going to experience problems in life. And there's nothing that you can do. Hear me. Nothing that you can do to avoid it. I don't know about you, but I wish he would have said something else. I wish he would have said you can pray long enough. You could fast long enough. If you read your scriptures enough days in a row, then maybe some way you can avoid. He didn't say anything. He, he says you're going to have trouble. And guess what? You can't avoid it. What's interesting to me is he doesn't begin to then coach the disciples in problem solving. 
Instead, he wants to talk to them about problem seeing. Not, not how to, because here's the, here's the deal. We face problems every single day. Does, can anybody relate? We face issues every single day. And sometimes we can obsess over how do I solve this problem? especially Christians. I got to seek God for the answer. If he'll just give me the answer, God, I need an answer. Tell me how to, and, and I honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think it's interesting when Jesus goes to coach his own 12 about the problems that they will face in this earth, he doesn't talk to them about how to solve the problems. He talks to them about how to see the problems because what's interesting about problems is that they're relative. I mean, that day, that woman was my problem. And guess what? I was her problem too. I can only imagine the story she went home and told her family about the mean man with tattoos that called her Karen and you know, you know, like what is, what is a problem? What, what are we talking about when we talk about problems? If we're really brutally honest, a problem is just anything that doesn't go the way that I wanted it to go. In the world, you will have problems. In the world, you're going to have situations that don't go the way that you want them to go. You're gonna have experiences, and guess what? You're gonna want the experience to play out that way, and that situation isn't gonna play out that way. You're gonna want your kids to grow up, and you're gonna want them to have certain occupations, and guess what? They're gonna have different desires, different passions, and they're probably not gonna do the occupations that you want them to do. You're gonna have jobs that you want, and there's gonna be certain jobs that you apply for that you get really excited about that you tell, I think I'm gonna get this one. And guess what? You're not gonna get it. <laughs> like this is the New Year's Eve message, right? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you know? But the deal is pro problems are relative. The problems are, are, are things that don't go, the, and, and a lot of times I think what causes the turmoil that we live in as human beings, what causes the online feuds that exist, what causes the workplace um, relational traumas and feuds that exist, are we, we don't really, if we're honest, we don't really know how to deal with problems because most of the problems we face, they're relative and we don't really know who's right. Was it their fault? Was it my fault? We're sometimes the per person that gets hurt if we're really honest and it's really, really hard sometimes to be this kind of honest. Sometimes we're the people that do the hurting often not even intentionally. It's a part of this human experience. And sometimes we don't know how to deal with problems. And a lot of times the reason we don't know how to deal with problems, ultimately, if we keep kind of going down the rabbit hole is because we don't really know how to deal with pain. What is pain? Pain is the byproduct of problems. When things don't go my way, all of a sudden I get wounded. I, I, I feel things. And no longer, it's, it's not just I didn't get the job or the marriage didn't work out or I don't have the money. It's not just that, it's the way that it makes me feel. It's the way that it makes me feel about myself. It's the way that it makes me feel about my worth. It's the way that it makes me feel about my relationship with God. It's the way that it makes me feel as a dad. It's the way that it makes me feel as a mom. It's the way that it makes me feel as a worker. I don't know how to deal with the problems and because I don't know how to deal with the problems, I don't really know how to deal with the pain. But, but, but the problem with, with pain is is when, when pain gets misplaced, when pain gets misplaced, it becomes poisonous. It becomes the thing that festers and you think, oh, I dealt with it. No, you didn't really deal, deal, deal with it, you, you stuffed it. Anybody know what it's like to stuff some pain? 
and then that pain comes out at the dinner table arguing over sports or politics or something stupid and it really has nothing to do with the thing that you're talking about it's has to do with I didn't deal with the pain when I was disappointed about the job that I didn't get or the kid that went the way that I didn't want them to go when I don't know how to deal with the pain and the pain becomes personal the pain becomes poisonous he's trying to give his disciples a picture of guys sometimes this stuff is just life the, the, the things that, that you deal with when you know we, we we like to gloat over statements like hurt people hurt people and I think that's all great but I think when we overuse statements sometimes sometimes they lose their power and we actually miss out on the reason that there is so much pain and so much nastiness and maliciousness specifically in the church like I think people who don't have a relationship with God and don't subscribe to a higher way of thought that there's hope beyond circumstance I kind of understand why you'd want to be nasty, but people who God is supposed to be your source, like God has a way who is that, that, is, that is above just normal thinking. He has a way that transcends actual just temporal problems. When we internalize those pain, I, that's what causes us to be nasty to each other. A lot of times the people that are hurting you are just hurting themselves. And it's, it's interesting because it really boils down to the reason that they're hurting is they didn't know how to deal with their pain. They didn't know how to deal with their pain because they didn't understand it. Pain is the byproduct of problems. Problems are things that just don't go my way. And Jesus is trying to coach his disciples. You're going to have pain. Those problems that you experience, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you feel things when the people that you love don't love you back. He's trying to give them perspective and he's trying to paint this, this picture so that they understand that when it comes to pain, there's a bigger picture. This is what I want you to understand today. When it comes to the problems that you will face in your life, 2024, New Year's Eve message. When it comes to the things that you will encounter, the things that aren't gonna go your way, there is always a bigger picture. Say that with me, say there is always a bigger picture. Say it again, say there is always a bigger picture. Say it one more time, there is always a bigger picture. And Jesus in this scripture, he's, he's kind of trying to get the disciples to, to understand this, that there's, that there's a big, bigger picture. And the bigger picture within this, in, within this context is that Jesus is about to go to heaven, but it's not about him leaving. He's letting him know that he's leaving, but it's not about where he's going. It's about what's coming. They can't, they can't contextualize, understand, grasp what he's talking about because all they can see is what they're losing. What am I talking? All they can see is their pain. When pain becomes personal, it becomes poisonous. What am I talking about? It clouds your judgment. Sometimes when you're not seeing things right, it's not because you don't want to see things right, it's because you're hurting. It's because you're in pain. It's because you have undealt with traumas. And he's trying to get them to understand that I'm trying to go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. What is what is this picture? I talked about it just a second ago, but but it's this. This idea that Christ came and he lived with his disciples and did incredible things, but he wanted a way for every single human being that would come after Christ to be able to have that same relationship with God. That's the Holy Spirit. That when Christ would go, this is, this is like a big deal. Like what would it be like for you to be able to know God? Like I'm talking about what would it be like for you to be able to do life in the flesh every day with God? What would it be like if you knew Jesus? Like, what would it be like to every breath you take, every move, you're ma move you make, that God is right there? That's, that's the concept of what he's saying. 
I'm gonna go away, and when I go away, the Holy Spirit is coming. He will dwell on the inside of you, and it will be like just doing life with God. See how some of you got excited about that? They were still not excited about that. Why were they not excited about that? Because all they could see is their pain. The, the text is actually interesting the, the way that it lays it out because Jesus is actually, I mean, he's, he's going back and forth with them. He, say, he says, I'm about to leave you to go join the one who sent me. He says, but none of you are asking where I'm going. You're just all obsessed with what you're losing. This, this, this can happen so much as human beings when change happens in life, when problems come knocking on your door, when things don't go the way that you want them to go. Sometimes it's easy to miss out on what God is doing because you're hurting because of what you feel like you're losing. If, if you, in fact, if, if you continue on it, um, it says, let me, let me find where it says, there's so much more I'd like to say. He says, the truth giving spirit, he will come and glorify me. In verse 15, it says, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. Verse 16, soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while. And the disciples are like freaking out over these two things. Wait, he's saying that he's leaving, and then how long is a little while? They're saying that he's, he's saying that he's leaving, how long is a little while? When you become intoxicated with your pain, you can almost take it for sure and take it to the bank, know that you are intoxicated by pain. When you obsess over things that you've lost and you obsess over things that you don't yet have. Just let that sink in just a second. Soon you won't see me any longer. We're losing what? You've told us what to do. You've told us where to go. We've done miracles with you. Soon you won't see me any longer. I'm, I'm, I'm losing what? And then in a little while, I come back. Well, how long is a little while? How long is a little while? Tell me when it's going to happen. I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I've grown up in church, and these are the things that I see people complain the most about in their day-to-day lives, probably more than anything. What they've lost and what's taken God too long. I've been praying for six months, and he still hasn't done the miracle. I've been praying for six years, and he still hasn't done the God, you, do you even hear me up there? Are you doing anything? Why? Because I don't know how to deal with the problems that I'm facing, and those problems are creating pain, and the pain has gotten personal, and the personal pain now has become poisonous, and I am intoxicated. I am, I am blinded by the things that I'm facing, and all I can see is the things that I'm losing. But Jesus, God is trying to get them to understand that maybe I'm actually in the middle of your pain. Maybe what is, because (laughs) did you know that God doesn't know what pain is like in the sense of in order to experience pain, you have to be disappointed. How can you be disappointed if you know everything that's going to happen? Yet God, this is, this is how compassionate God is. He spends so much in scripture talking about the pain that we face as humans, but he doesn't really know what that's like because everything always works out the way that he wants it to work out. What, 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 am I, what am I talking about? A problem is only a problem until it's solved. Two times two is only a problem until I realize that it's four, then it becomes an equation. Two times two is, is four. When, when you know the answers to the problems, you no longer have problems. See, God sees a bigger picture. The problems that are problems to you are not problems to God. <laughs> 
And please, please don't just get this as like a, a sermon or a preacher or somebody like pontificating ideas. I'm really, I'm really trying to help you in your day-to-day -day life. When you get up and go to work and are disappointed, I want you to be able to take that pause in the year 2024 when things don't seem to be going according to plan instead of saying, oh, great, here we go again. Going to be another year like this. No, I, I'm saying, what if we could learn to pause and take perspective and understand that maybe God is actually right in the middle of the thing that I call pain? You're telling me that God caused my pain? That's not what I'm telling you at all. I, all I know is the Bible says if you make your bed in hell, he's there. So I don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what you're going to go through. I don't know what you're facing today, but maybe just maybe God is there with you. Maybe he's right there in the middle of the thing that you don't understand. Maybe he has a plan. Maybe there's something that he's trying to accomplish. He's trying to get the disciples to understand this. And he begins to give examples. He talks about, I'm, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back and you're going to experience joy. And then he tells them there's, there's other kinds of pain that, that you go through, like a woman who goes through, through, through labor and eventually gives birth to a child and forgets the pain that she goes through. He's trying to get them to understand that there's different kinds of pain. I've talked about this here before, and I want to talk about it again so that maybe you can contextualize and, and grasp it. There's different kinds of pain. Sometimes there's pain a part of the problem. Other times there's pain a part of the process. Sometimes there's pain a part of the problem, and other times there's pain a part of the process. What am I talking about? Pain a part of the problem. Sometimes you go through things and you run to God because the pain that you're experiencing needs to stop. Pain a part of the problem. I'm sick, I go to the doctor, I need to take medication because the medication's gonna deal with the illness because I have pain that needs to be stopped. And when you go through this type of pain, the Bible says, it actually says it, we won't go, go and read it. He says, but you experience joy. When you go through pain and God pulls you out of pain, some of you know what that's like to go through abusive situations, go through situations that, man, I shouldn't have been. If, I, if it were not for God pulling me out and our hearts are full with joy, you know what I'm talking about. Then there's pain a part of the process. What is pain a part of the process? You go to the gym, you got to work out. It don't feel good, but you're, you're working on something. That's what, what Jesus is saying. It's like when a woman gives birth, there's, there's sometimes you go through things that you don't like and God's gonna pull you out. Then there's other times you're gonna go through things and God's not gonna pull you out. There are times that God pulls you out and there's other times that God pulls you through. Hear me again. There's, there, there's times that God will pull you out and then there's times that God will pull you through. Why would he pull you through? Because he's working on something. He says it's like a woman who gives birth to, birth to something. Did you know that God needs ambassadors on this earth? He needs God-fearing people that, that believe in something more than just being a victim of circumstance, like a bag that's blowing around in the wind. Someone who can reach a little bit higher and say, I, I believe that things can be better than this. People that can reach, reach a little bit higher. To, God needs ambassadors in the earth that are willing to birth things. What, what am I talking about? There's certain things that can only happen in your life by you going through things. It's not super exciting. I know it's not. I know it's not. But, I, but just like Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand, I want us to understand today that in life it was a, it was a promise from Jesus himself that you're going to have problems. 
that those problems are going to cause pain, but he wants you to see the pain right because sometimes the thing that you're facing is producing something in your life that you would not be able to experience otherwise. There are times God pulls you out and there's times that God pulls you through. What would it be like to be a guy like Moses? To know what it's like for God to find me and, and, and to pull me out very literally. Floating down the river as a baby and God, he, he, pulls, he pulls me out, he rescues me. What would it be like to grow up and know that God is a, is a God who, who can pull you out of situations as he goes before Pharaoh and he, he says, let my people go as he's standing up for God's people and believes that he has this God assignment in his, in his life and he asks him to, to, to release God's people from slavery. And Pharaoh finally says, you, 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 you can go. What would it be like to know that God can pull you out only to know that yes, God can pull me out and God sees me, but I still have to cross the Red Sea. What would it be like to be one of the, the, the people who were in bondage and in slavery to be so excited that God has finally heard our prayer? Could you imagine the emotion that they would have felt as they walked up to that sea? A great, you, you deliver me from that, only let me to die, only to let me die here. Sometimes it's easy to feel that in life. I cannot tell you the, 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 the times in my life that I have felt like, God, really? After all that we've been through, you know? I know I'm not the only person in this building that has ever been there. Really, God, God, you did that, and now I have, to walk, I have to walk through this? God, I really don't want to have to do this. This doesn't feel good. What are they going to think? Ultimately, knowing that maybe there was a bigger picture and maybe something God was doing, he was trying to get them to see that not, all, not always when you go through things is it always the devil attacking you. We have pictures in, of our, in our mind of the way we th want things to be. We are not God. We're humans. We are flawed creatures. We are not perfect creatures. We have problems. We fight with people in parking lots. <laughs> Why? Because, I'm, because we're human beings. I think in life, we really need to remember our role. You were not put on this earth to be a God. You were not put on this earth to know everything and have every single answer. I find it interesting because in the text that we read, he's warning people about the church people. There's going to be people who think they're doing things on God's behalf, but they don't get how God works. Me and my dad were talking about this the other day. And I was like, Dad, I was like, when you read the Bible, isn't it interesting that God never really found the perfect people to do what he wanted to do in the earth through? He, he, he didn't say, where are the Christians at? Where are the church people at? No, no, instead he went and he found people like Abraham, who was a moon, a moon, a moon worshiper. W would that be your first pick? See, God is notorious for doing things through people who are unqualified, undignified, who don't have the pedigree. 
who, 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 don't have, who don't have all of their theology right, who don't see things perfectly. See, I, I'm always concerned when I run into Christians that don't know how, don't know how to say, I don't know. Because if you know all the answers, then you're not a human. And I get it. The reason we want to act like we have all the answers so that we can feel safe in our little box, but the Bible doesn't exist to give us a box for God to fit in. The Bible exists to help us to connect the dots to understand how God works. And the way that God works is he always goes the direction you think he's not going to go. Always. Always. Think about that. God, how are you going to do it? I don't know, but it will probably be different than you think. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny? Is, is so, so many of us hate that. I hate that. I hate that. God, why can't you just, why can't, why? why? You know why? Because he wants to work with you. He, he, he wants you to need this. Ultimately, this whole thing still points back to a lot. He, sa he says, in the world, you will have trouble, but be of good courage. Take courage. I have overcome the world. What, 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 is, he, what is he really talking about? How do you, how do you, once I understand, okay, I get it, Nick. I'm going to face up your, your points. Coming through loud and clear, we can move on. I'm going to experience problems. I'm going to experience pain. What do I do with it? His ultimate point, how, how do I solve problems? It's kind of the thing. You don't solve problems, you surrender problems. And it sounds like a really great preacher slogan and cliche, but listen to the words that I'm saying. When your back's up against the wall, when you don't know which way to go, when when you go through a divorce that you weren't expecting, when you lose the job that you loved, when you lose a family member and you thought, man, I didn't think that, when, you, when your back's against the wall and you're experiencing pain, God, I don't know what to do. How do I solve this problem? I don't solve the problem. I surrender the problem. Why? Why? He says, be of good courage for I have overcome the world, meaning, I don't have problems. I only have solutions. So what do I do with the problems that I face? I give it to the person who has the answers. What, what, this is, this is honestly, it all boils down to this. You want to make Christianity super simple, live a surrendered life unto God. You, you could take the rest of it and you could just flush it down the toilet. That sounds horrible. I guess you should flush it down the toilet, but but, but really, if you could boil down your faith with God to one word, it's surrender. What am I talking about? You're not God, he is. Surrender, let go of your idea of how you think things should look and trust the person who puts you here. You, you, didn't, you didn't show up to planet Earth with an instruction manual. Me, and if you did, I'd like to see it. <laughs> Nobody told you where you were supposed to go to school, where you're supposed to grow up, who you're supposed to marry. No, nobody, nobody told you all, all of those things. We're, we are all doing our best 
to navigate and to trust God, flawed, imperfect creatures, trusting that he has purpose because there's air in our lungs and there's blood in our veins and our feet are moving today and our bodies are functioning today. And because I am here, I trust that he has a plan. I may not see the way and that's okay. Because I'm not on this earth to have all the answers, to dot my I's and cross my T's and make you feel good about me. I'm not here to convince you that I'm a man of God and I know what God's like and I know what God says and I know what this life, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because God has an assignment on my life. You're here because God has an assignment on your life. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not preaching. I, I, if, if I was sitting across from you having coffee, having dinner, I would look you in the eyes and I would say, there's a reason that you're here. And you would say, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the flaws that I have. You don't know the abuse that I've encountered. You don't know the abuse that I've caused to others. And I may not know, but God knows. And he still thinks you should be here. Think about that. Think about that. He thinks you should be here. I know you don't understand everything. I know you have hurt. I know you have pain. I know you have regret. I know you have big dreams and big aspirations and things that you want to accomplish in life. I know all that. But at the end of the day, the thing that I've learned, life goes better when I remember that I'm not the one who's driving this ship. I've been high and I've been low. But I've never seen God forsake me. I know what it's like to... <laughs> I know what it's like for people to sing your praises. And I know what it's like to people be the nastiest of the nasty little nasties. And I mean that. <laughs> but God, God's never left me. And my prayer for you today would be that you would give up, but in the right way. Give up on this idea that you have to be perfect. Give up on this idea that you have to know the way everything works in Scripture for God to approve you. Give up on this idea that God is waiting for you to jump through hoops or, or really, you know, take a stand for, for truth, for, for Him to put His stamp of approval on you. He wants you here. Regardless of all the problems that you face, regardless of the family that you grew up in, regardless of what you did yesterday, what you'll do tonight, what you'll do tomorrow, it really doesn't matter as long as you live a surrendered life. Why a surrendered life? Because this is the whole concept, and I, and I want to read it again as we kind of wrap up our time together. Everything I've taught you, he says that, everything that, I, everything that I've taught you, these are the words of Jesus. He taught a lot of things. 
He says, but everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, that it would be in you. Isn't that what you really want? Isn't that what you really want? Aren't we really looking for peace in a world that can't deliver? Aren't we really looking for peace in a world where, where your money can't deliver? You make the money and, and, and you still are in turmoil and distress. And he said, I told you everything so that you could experience peace and that, you would, that it would give you great confidence as you rest in me. He says, this unbelieving world, you'll experience problems. He says, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. Meaning the problems that you face, they're really not problems if you give them to the one who has the answers. Well, if I give it to him, is it gonna play out the, one, the way I want it to play out? Probably not. But you're in good hands. You're in good hands. My great-grandfather, before he passed away, was the last conversation that I ever got to have with him. Of all the things that he could, could have said, he, looks around the room and he, and he makes this statement. He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. What, what does that mean? I've never seen people who turn to God be left out on their own. And then he said this, go for it. Sometimes I think the reason we dream small, why we play it safe, why we don't really live life to its fullest, because we're so bogged down with all the things that don't go our way. Be of good courage. What's funny is sometimes courage doesn't look like courage. Sometimes courage on the inside doesn't look like courage on the outside. This word courage is an internal, it's funny if you study it, it's an internal confidence. It's an internal knowing that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. He says, be of good courage. Other translations say, take, take up courage my, my, I think my dad actually talked to you guys about this but sometimes courage it's courage on the inside but on the in, outside it doesn't look like courage sometimes courage on the inside looks like humility on the outside the funny thing about the word humility is it comes from the same root word as humiliation now that's peculiar be, be of good courage Get it deep down in your belly. Get, get what deep down? That, 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 that I'm right where I'm supposed to be because, not because I have all the answers, but because I'm dependent on the one who has all the answers. So what, is, what does that mean? That means I have to double down on courage on the inside and at the same time understand that it's probably most likely going to express itself as humility on the outside. Meaning what? Sometimes people won't understand. <laughs> Sometimes people won't get it. But you have to be willing to trust the God that's on the inside of you. This is the, this is the thing that he's, he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go away and the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he says he's going he's to guide you every step of the way. Jesus is saying to his disciples, there's things I want to tell you, but you can't handle it. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells on the inside of you, he's going to do life with you every single day. He's never going to give you more than you can handle, but he's only going to give you little bit by little bit. That's how God leads. 
What am I talking about? When it comes to your problems, you don't solve them. You've got to surrender them. But after you've surrendered those problems, God, what does it look like? God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I, I'm not letting go. I'm, I'm giving these things to you. I'm not just giving up, I'm giving it up to you. I'm entrusting with you these things that are way too big, way too heavy, way too confusing. God, I, I trust you with them. I, I don't know why I'm going through this thing in my vocational life, but God, I give it to you. I don't know why I'm going through this thing with my kids, but God, I, I, I trust you. I don't know why I'm dealing with these feelings and these agitations and these emotions and these things that feel like anxiety, but God, I give it to you and I trust you with them. Understanding this, not everybody's gonna get it. Not everybody's gonna get it. Why? Each, everybody in this room, please track with me. Everybody in this room has a different assignment. This is why you can't judge other people for making moves that you don't agree with. God's gonna lead you one way, he's gonna lead me the other way. Do you know how many people have come to me since I don't preach every weekend in a church anymore and they're like super confused and like, but you're so gifted. I'm like, I, I, okay, but God's doing something in me. He's leading, he's leading me to a place that I know not where and my trust is not in my gift my trust is in my God and if he says go right I go right he says go left I go left he says pause I pause he says run I run he says sit down I sit down he says take the mountain I take the mountain cast not away your confidence for in it is great reward Where's the payoff? The payoff's when you learn how to go deep and people don't get it on the outside, but I'm marching anyway. Where are you going? I, I don't know and I don't care because I know who I'm going with and the person that I'm going with, he don't have any problems because he knows all the answers. Yeah, but look what you went through. Look at the decisions that you made. If you were, re if you were really in God's plan, you think it would have played out like that? I don't know and I don't care. I don't, I don't care, why? I'm not God. I'm along for the ride, folks. He chose me and put me here. And as long as I have air in my lungs, breath in my lungs, blood in my veins, I will dig deep within my heart. I will cast not away my confidence. I will surrender time and time again. God, I don't get it, but I trust you. God, I don't see it, but I trust you. God, I don't feel it, but I trust you. God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. God, they're talking, but I trust you. God, they're saying things, but I trust you. I don't have to see it to believe it. I trust the one who put me here. If he put me here, he will keep me here. He will guide me. He will lead me. I will hit my mark. I will accomplish my destiny. So what am I saying? Live a surrendered life 2024. Again, yes, again. Every day. Every day. Every day. It doesn't stop, folks, when you crack the code. Doesn't stop when you've done your daily devotion and read every passage of scripture for the entire year. You don't, you don't arrive. <laughs> good for you, proud of you, but you don't arrive. That's good, do those things. But at the end of the day, you're still gonna have problems and you're still gonna have to decide what you're gonna do with them. God, I trust you. I hold on to my courage on the inside. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're saying on the outside. 
Because sometimes courage on the inside don't look like it on the outside. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to, single mom working three jobs that gets in her car and putting on her eyeliner, cries and smears it as she's going just to provide for her babies? Confidence on the inside, courage on the inside, sub doesn't look like courage on the outside. dad who, 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 who made a mistake and still has to show up at the family gatherings to be there for his kid because he has courage on the inside that, yeah, I've made some mistakes, but I choose to believe that God's not done with me yet, so I'm going to show up. I'm going to square my shoulders. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to say the right thing. I know it doesn't feel good. Sometimes courage on the inside doesn't look like courage on the outside. God sees you. Every tear that you've cried, And if you could ever learn to get the right perspective of pain, which is what, let's not be dramatic, it's when things don't go your way. We've all been there. And I'm not diminishing your pain. It hurts. It sucks. But it's not over. God has a plan. There's times that he'll pull you out. There's times that he'll pull you through. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck because of your pain. so many times in my life I could have gotten stuck because of my pain could have given up on God could have given up on all y'all but when you understand that there's a bigger picture no man can keep you from the things that God has called you I hope, you don't, I hope you don't miss the power in that. That's why I, I so, I mean, sometimes that's all you need to know. God has a plan for your life. Trust him. Really trust him. Don't get in petty dis- disputes, arguments. Don't play with the pigs, you always end up dirty. No, I'm serious. Just don't go there. Some, some things are just not even, half the problems are, it's not really about the problem. That's why I'm saying, well, problem solving. You know, all the, when I say you don't solve problems, you surrender. Like all the problem solvers are like, but I like solving problems. Like, <laughs> I have systems and analytics and we can do this thing. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. But problem solving means nothing if you're not solving problems with the person who knows the real answers otherwise we're just doing our best guess I don't want to live life just doubling down on my best guess God I trust you lead me guide me I'm surrendered and then what pay attention to this Holy Spirit thing folks what am I talking about God with you God with you I think you need to read your Bible. I think you need to listen to your preacher. But I think you need to also pay more attention to this thing that's beating in your chest that is not just, it's not just a random voice. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. The, the, text, the text says, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you all things. Think about that. He says he'll, he'll reveal to you things 
to come. And you think, you ever been through a situation you're like, oh, I knew that was gonna happen. And we just brush it off like it's just, no, no, pay, pay attention to the things that you know that you don't know how you know. Pay attention to the things that you know that you don't know how you know. There are things in my, how do you know that? I don't know how I know that, but I, but I, I would bet my life on it. I would bet my, how do you know you're in the right, the right how do you know, you, how do I know if I'm following? I don't, I honestly can't know how to tell you. All I know is the ho same Holy Spirit that's in me, he's the same Holy Spirit that's in you, and you need to trust that voice that's leading you and guiding you on the inside. Regardless of what people think, regardless of what people say, regardless if they get it or not, well-meaning people, your mom, your dad, your pastor, a counselor, I, I'm, all of those voices are great, but they're not your Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, for real though. For real though. There's one thing my daddy has taught me. Your success in life will be dependent on your ability to hear God's voice for yourself and your willingness to obey it. There's no way that my dad agrees with every life decision that I make. <laughs> Certainly not. But he knows what he's taught me. Your success in life. 2024. As a church, collectively, as a person individually. What this year looks like for you will be dependent on your ability to hear God's voice for yourself and your willingness to obey it. It's not, it's not, it's not complex it's not voodoo it's not so spacey and far out I'm talking about how will I know you'll know you'll know and I, I say that because I've experienced it and I'm like I know I'm weird but I'm like anti-weird at the same time like I hate people I hate church people that are weird especially like <laughs> really but when God speaks to you on the inside of your heart, when the Holy Spirit begins to lead you, when he begins to nudge you and tell you, go here, do this, don't do that, talk to them, don't talk to them, you need to move this way. God, it doesn't feel right. They're not gonna like that. You, you have to move beyond what people will think, what you see, hear, feel, taste, smell, touch, and begin to say, God, you're the one driving the ship. It, it, if I'm really honest with you, it's, um, it can be terrifying at times. I understand why Christians settle for religion. I'm not joking. I get why people settle for do's and don'ts so that they can feel safe. I, I, I get it. But it's not, it's not, it's, it's empty. They're facades. That's, that's the whole thing that Jesus was came to earth to tear down. All of this box checking guys, you're, 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 you're trying to convince yourself that you're safe and you're not like, all oh, y'all, like your heart could stop beating right now. You're not, you're not in control already. Your money's not gonna save you. Your job's not gonna save you. Your marriage is not gonna save you. Your relationships are not gonna save you. 
So what do I do? I surrender. I do life with God. How far can I, how far can I go in this life? How much can I accomplish? How surrendered are you willing to be? Not, not deep church word, like how, how willing are you to continue to let go? Not just when you get into your 50s or 60s and then kind of just settle because we got this God thing figured out. No, learn how to turn the page. Your life is a book. Bible says that we're living epistles. Your, your life is literally a book. And in your life story, there's different chapters. There's different things that God wants to do, do through you. That's, this is the journey I'm on with God. I've done some, some great things that a lot of people, man, they would, they would love to live the life that I live. But when God turns the page, I can't stay in yesterday's chapter. I, I can't stay there. I'll, I'll never walk into the possibilities of what could be. And I hear, I speak now prophetically to some of your lives, that God is calling you into a new season. He's calling you into a new chapter. He's calling to you a place where eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Some of you, I believe that God is going to do things through your life to pioneer brand new things. Just like that scripture says, just like a woman who births a baby, there's a process that you're going through, even some of you even now. There's seasons that you've been walking through and it's been like a scratch your head season. And you think to yourself, God, what the heck are you doing? I don't, I don't understand it, I can't grasp it. I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed and I just want to, I want you to hear heaven echo over your life today that you are exactly right where you need to be. Turn the page, keep marching, keep moving. He will show you when you need to know. He will show you when you need to know. He will turn on the lights when you need to see. He will turn on the lights when you need to see. If you don't know yet, now's not the time. If you don't know yet, now's not the time. Don't get so wrapped up in all of the details that you miss out on the moment. He is, he is with you now. But I feel like I'm in a wilderness. He's with you in the wilderness. That's great that you feel like that. He's still with you there. God is with you, God is for you. Do life with God. Dream big, live surrendered. Would you close your eyes with me all across this room? God today, in this place, in this space, God, I ask that in this next closing moment that you would do something that only you can do. For people who have never felt you, people who have never experienced you. God, I don't know where I would be if it were not for you. Finding me in my pain, holding me when I'm hurting. God, the nights that only you and I know about, where it seemed like it was over and you, you pulled me through. God, for people today who are hurting, for people today who are overwhelmed, for people today who are broken, for people today that don't know which way is up and which way is down, I ask Holy Spirit, the Comforter, that you would minister to them in such a real way, not in a religious way, not in a way that a preacher would want you to minister to them, God, in a way that they would understand. God, that you would meet people right where they're at today. Right where they're at today right where they're at today. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 